episode 134 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 19th of July 2021. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan. Sta tornando a casa! <laughs> Greer. Hello. And Will. Hi! What? It's coming home. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> We've moved on from that. Never. Not for at least two years. We're on to Freedom Day now, Phelan. Get it right. Come on. God, we never deserved it anyway, let's be honest. <laughs> indeed, indeed. A lot of things happened that was not deserved, but we don't talk about that here. Anyway, let's talk about the news and exciting news. And that is the Elgado Stream Deck has come out. No, sorry, no, sorry. The Steam Deck has come out. This is a handheld console that's been announced by Valve that is going to run Arch with the Plasma desktop and run all the steam games that you can possibly want to play all for a few hundred quid did you say it ran arch i didn't hear you the first time <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure it'll remind you every boot or whatever <laughs> so the name come on why the fuck did they call it the steam deck and it was announced on the same day a new version of the stream deck came out a gaming device like what that's that just seems like they're just trolling corsair with that but Graham, you've ordered one of these. Mm. Oh, it was so, so difficult to order. Now, considering I've actually done this with Valve and Steam before, I I pre-ordered the HTC Vive VR headset. I did the same with the Index that Valve developed. And both of those times was hugely oversubscribed. Both of those times I had to go through the huge song and dance of negotiating steam's purchasing thing which times you out a thousand times tells you you can't order again for the next few hours tells you your account isn't old enough and i've had an account on steam for 17 years oh jesus i know i'm feeling old it was actual steam back then <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah it, it took me an hour and 19 minutes to get an order through and when i did get an order through the estimated date is the second quarter of 2022 which effectively is almost a year away it could be potentially but i am genuinely really excited about this um it looks like a wii u if you've ever seen one of those things a bit like a bigger switch with the controls at the top which looks a bit concerning but the early kind of hands-on demos look all right but generally it's actually a pc it's got you know, a decent AMD CPU, GPU, 16 gig of RAM, and also socketed M2 modules for storage, which wasn't clear at the very beginning. I think even yeah. even the um, EMMC model has. Yeah, so that's the thing. People are talking about this as being the £350 or $300, whatever it is, handheld console, but that is disingenuous because you're only getting 64 gigabytes of EMMC storage, which is basically a glorified SD card. You're going to be paying £460 if you want a 256 gig SSD in it, and £569 if you want a 512 SSD in it. That's almost Apple markup prices, which, yeah, I don't know. But so it is socketed, but it's not described as user upgradable. So it's still, there's a little bit of question. It seems like you're going to have to take it apart and potentially get your jewelry uh, screwdrivers out or whatever. It's it's not going to be straightforward. It's not mm. like just popping the, the back off a laptop to upgrade the storage. It's going to be very involved, but it is possible. So here's the question. Which one did you go for? I went for the 512 gig. Sensible, I think. Well... I've got a year to save up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't play games that often as much as I talk about them. But when I do, I actually have a, a, a PlayStation Vita that is um, rooted. 
And I, I've t- I think I've mentioned it before, I use the Moonlight client on it to stream games from my PC. So I kind of play games in this form factor. It's just so much easier to sit around somewhere else in the house and play if I feel like it than to sit in front of a PC. And there's only one TV here and that's always being used. Um, so I really like the form factor. The fact it's running Linux and all of the other associated promises that um, Valve have made to get, that goes along with that, I think it's really exciting. Only a 720p screen though, but at that size... Does that really matter? No, and I think the biggest compromise is is the GPU for being able to this I mean we I think even will suggested when we were just talking about this um, months ago um, that it might be like a fully fledged PC and um, when the rumors first started to spread and I, I was dubious because you need decent hardware to play any recent game and how, how can you do that in a portable handheld and I think making it 720p is is one of the answers to how do you do that yeah um, yes it's low resolution to what we're used to but with games it doesn't matter so much and it does mean a significantly reduced load on the GPU. And the fact is that this is a PC. It's x86. It's got the AMD APU in it. It's got USB-C, so you can connect a dock or a hub or whatever, and they are going to sell separately a dock, but you can buy for 25 quid or less than that something to hook it up to a TV. Whether that APU is going to be capable of driving more than 720p, I'm not sure. Maybe for the older games. But you will be able to install whatever you want on it. It's going to be totally open in that sense, which is good as well. Yeah, I thought that was funny that usually it's us saying, oh, well, you could install Linux on it maybe, and all the Windows <laughs> bots going, oh, yeah, you could install Windows on it. Yeah, I bet it'll run great too. Well, it probably will. I would imagine there'll be good drivers for it. And that, how many people do you think are going to change the operating system on it? Nah, yeah, slim to nil. But the thing I liked about it was the fact that the only difference in SKU was the fact that the storage was different. So everything has been optimized for this 16 gigs of memory, same CPU and same graphics. And I think that's quite a good thing. Well, there is this um, premium anti-glare etched glass, apparently, and an exclusive carrying case. Yeah, that's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) But 569 quid, that's quite expensive compared to a Switch, but it's obviously going to be much more powerful than a Switch. So, I don't know, in, in terms of how much is a PlayStation or whatever these days? 500 euros. Right. And it, presumably there's options to upgrade storage that's extortionate as well for those. So, that would be the one that has the disc in the front, which is Blu-ray? I don't know. We just bought one and I don't actually know what's, it is. what it is. But, yeah, okay. So, yeah, so it's 500 euros for a, a Blu-ray. Uh, so, that's digital games and ones on discs. But you can stick a USB hard disk into the back of a PlayStation and use that as uh, like extended storage. Yeah, well, and you'll be able to use an SD card with this Steam Deck for some storage, but I, I don't know, can you run games from an SD card? That doesn't seem like a recipe for a good gaming experience to me. Yeah, I think it'll be incredibly slow. I'm a little bit less excited about this than I than I was when I first heard about it. First of all, the battery life is going to be shit. You know it is. Yeah. That's the future, though. They'll have that new battery that they just thought about just there, just now, by that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, they must be going to manufacture fairly soon, uh, maybe the, like the next six months or something. I read an interview with PLU, and he said, uh, for PLU from uh, Steam, and he said two hours. Now, I think that's perhaps a bit optimistic, but I would like to be proven wrong on this. But I imagine that if you're playing GTA V on 
7.20, then you're going to get an hour out of this max, and it's going to be hot as hell. The other thing I don't really like about the idea is the, is the controller inputs. Now, I've got Steam on my Windows machine, and if I try and play it over a Steam link to a normal TV in the lounge, for example, and use a PS4 controller or, sorry, a PS3 controller or an Xbox 360 controller, playing those games that I would normally play with a keyboard or a mouse is awful. Yeah, but that's because you recommended that crappy networking gear that the pair of us have. <laughs> that's nothing to do with that. That's the, <laughs> I've got a, a 5.99 gigabit switch plugged in and it works perfectly now. The work that Valve has done to make controllers work with the big games is very good, but they are still not designed to be played with those controllers, in my opinion. I think that will suck. Next thing on my list of things that will suck (laughs) is um, it won't actually play all the games that you want to play. It will play all the games that Proton plays, and that is a lot of them, but it isn't all of them, and guaranteed that it won't play quite a lot of the games that you actually want to. Well, let me push back on that. Because this is not going to ship until December, and that's only the first batch of them. That's December this year, 2021. But their aim is to have every Steam game working on it by the time it ships. Now, that is a a, a massive, massive goal that seems a little bit unrealistic. And, you know, they say that's their goal to do that. But that means that they're going to have to invest even more time and money in Proton and making the anti-cheat stuff work, and just making it a great experience. And that surely is good news for people who want to play games on Linux. Well, speaking of that, and this is where I'm quite happy, because I'm don't I like I definitely am not a use case for this device, because I couldn't think of anything worse than not having my mouse and keyboard to play a game. Even a controller on my PC, I find really awkward. I think my thumbs are sort of no nerves in them or something. <laughs> um, but the fact that of the 24 games, I mean, obviously I'm not a massive gamer, but of the 24 games that I've got that play on the machine, there's only one of them that is actually a Steam Play certified game. All the rest of them have been Windows games that have worked perfectly or close to perfectly. I think the worst thing is my multi-monitor setup. It hasn't quite got the right monitor each time. I've got one vertical monitor on the left. That seems to be the one they all want to be on. And then that screws the resolution, but a few hotkeys and that got that to automatically shove it onto the the center one and it worked and if they can work out all those types of kinks it'd be absolutely fantastic and i think that if anyone can then they can and they're, they're in the perfect position to to be able to make this work so that will be interesting to see my final point on this entire topic is this i was thinking about buying one of my kids a gaming pc even a basic one built from you know components and with an AMD uh, APU and a few gig of RAM, sixteen gig of RAM, and and you know blah blah blah. You're talking about the same sort of money. It's it's you know within sort of a hundred quid of one of these. Now would I buy a traditional PC with all bits in plugged into it, or would I buy something like this, which costs the same money? has the same power and you can carry it around with you and play your games on the go well this is a really really difficult decision to make i kind of feel like this could be the commoditization if that's a word of low-end gaming pcs and i think they could they could do very well yeah i think you're right i mean both of my kids have got switches they've been surrounded by playstations and things you know their whole lives but it's just the convenience of picking up the switch and carrying on playing minecraft from where they left off that they really like and also this is 
Steam, it's the Steam game catalogue. It's not like the massively curated Nintendo catalogue. I mean, there is no other realistic portable option. I mean, I've, I've got hundreds of games, unfortunately, that I've just never played and picked up in the sales, and many of those probably will run okay. I mean, even GTA V might run okay, and thinking of that on a portable system is quite exciting, plus the streaming. But yeah, it's a difficult decision, and it's definitely not going to be for everyone. And I'm worried about the placement of the controllers. That's the main thing. Although I think, don't think we've mentioned there's also two of Valve's touch pads underneath each side. So they're pretty good as mouse substitutes. I've got them on um, the Steam controller and also on the, the Vive ones. And they're quite good for playing things like XCOM, where you would use a mouse for an RTS. How confident are you that once the initial batch have been released, that it will continue to be a viable option? I'm thinking here Steam Controller, Steam Link, the various VR solutions. They've all been very good, and yet they've been discontinued. Yeah, the Steam Controller is good. The Steam Link has has kind of migrated to televisions and Raspberry Pi. I don't know. I think I have to... I, I don't know. I think it's great that Valve keep trying. And this seems to be, at least from the reported demand and the stories on the internet, this seems to be perhaps one of their strongest ever kind of announcements and then pre-sales. Um, certainly by my experience, trying to get an order through. Um, and if and they, they, they've promised that the platform is going to be open and completely free for competitors to use if they want to build devices based on their same system, which is another good thing. All right, fuck it, I'm buying one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this episode is sponsored by Linode. Go to linode.com slash late night Linux and see why Linode has been voted the top infrastructure as a service provider by both G2 and TrustRadius. From their award-winning support offered 24-7, 365 to every level of user, to ease of use and setup, it's clear why developers have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Deploy your entire application stack with Linode's one-click app marketplace or build it all from scratch and manage everything yourself with supported centralized tools like Terraform. Linode offers great price-to-performance value for all compute instances, including GPUs, as well as block storage, Kubernetes, and their upcoming bare metal release. Linode makes cloud computing fast, simple, and affordable, allowing you to focus on your projects, not your infrastructure. So go to linode.com slash late night Linux, create a free account with your Google or GitHub account or your email address, and you'll get $100 in credit. That's linode.com slash late night Linux. On to a bit of admin then. And first of all, thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. If you want to join those people, you can go to latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember, for $5 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. And you can go to latenightlinux.com slash contact if you want to get in touch with us. Just a quick update on the meetups, the Mumble meetups. I keep forgetting to mention them. And uh, it's probably just as well. The, the attendance has been dwindling a little bit. So there's there's good news and bad news. The bad news is that I don't have time to do them anymore. The good news is they are going to continue if you all want to as a community. latenightlinux.com slash mumble if you want to get the details. They've traditionally been on Friday nights at 10 o'clock every two weeks. But I've just got a lot going on professionally and personally. It's all good, actually. Um, I don't want to go too much into detail and stuff, but it's not bad at all. It's quite the opposite. The personal stuff is really good. I might finally fucking move is the bottom line. And so uh, that is anyone who's moved ever just knows how much (laughs) of a nightmare that is. It's just tricky 
that time slot every couple of weeks, uh, having to kind of make time for that makes it difficult to make time for other stuff. So I can't guarantee that I'm going to be there. But if people want to keep doing it, then keep going. I'll keep the Mumble server going or whatever. And I'll try and pop in occasionally, but no guarantees. So thank you to everyone who's been coming to them. And hopefully when things calm down a little bit, uh, we can restart them properly and I'll turn up and we can start doing the recordings again and stuff. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to update everyone on that anyway. So amazing news from Mars. The Ingenuity helicopter, which proved itself as a sort of technical test, has now actually surpassed its original goals and is now proving to be a serious part of the mission. There's no need to pretend it's running BSD anymore. This is a, a massive success story for Linux. Oh, it is really cool. I mean, especially when you think of the last error that I had was like an odd frame getting skipped out every now and again. And they're able to like look at this data and go, ah, right. The reason that we know that happened was this. And then they're analyze it. Like it just puts to shame every single bit of work that I do in my day job. <laughs> but this mission that it went on was flying further than they'd ever planned to which is, you know, we're talking hundreds of meters. This is on a, a different planet. But that would have taken months to get the rover over there because it was quite difficult terrain. But this helicopter was able to do it in minutes, just fly over there, check it out, beam the images back. It's amazing. I mean, I was tempering my expectations about this. I was worried originally that it was going to underperform. I just didn't want us to embarrass ourselves, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah. But now it's it's just massively proved itself. I'm so excited about this now. Yeah, certainly better than Richard Branson making it to the beginnings of space. Hey, as long as he beat Bezos, I don't mind. <laughs> I am that petty and small. Yeah, let, let's choose billionaires, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> now that it's proven itself as a concept, I'm very excited to see what will come next. Like more, maybe there are swarms of helicopters, maybe bigger ones that stay aloft for days at a time. Who knows? But it's it's really opened up a new realm. Uh, we went from stationary things with robot arms and very basic cameras up to very small mobile robots. Now we've got these car-sized things. Now we've got helicopters. Ah, it's very, very exciting. Yeah, and now that we've proved that we can fly stuff with a very thin atmosphere, it potentially opens it up to fly on other, not necessarily planets, but moons and whatever. It's it, This is a huge leap forward. And you can download that source code yourself from GitHub, which is pretty amazing and surreal at the same time. So something that I just wanted to draw attention to, and that is the Document Foundation have got a survey for LibreOffice Calc, that's the spreadsheet application. And they're looking to hear from people of all abilities and all experiences with it to find out how they're actually using it. And this to me is how it should be done. This is totally opt-in, obviously. You have to take part in the survey. And you have a chance to give them your data to try and influence how the project's going to go forward. And so I've done it. I mean, I was totally honest with them. I use it about once a year to do my accounts. And I use just the basic stuff. And if everyone who replies says that, then they'll just make the basic stuff better. But then if accountants say, oh, well, no, I am missing this, that, and the other feature, then they will implement those. And people often ask how they can contribute to open source even though they don't know how to do coding or whatever. Well, this is a very simple way to do it. It took me two or three minutes, and uh, I helped out in a very small way. 
Yeah, I filled it in as well. Uh, similar to you, I think. I, I do some account stuff in it, and I do some uh, some sort of basic database stuff where what I want is to to look up hundreds and hundreds of rows. I don't want to import that into MySQL and write SQL. I can just do find and replace or, you know, whatever in a in a spreadsheet. So I think it's a, yeah, as you say, good opportunity to make your use cases heard and get some attention to the things that matter to the most people. Yeah, well, link in the show notes. Everyone take part. Okay, this episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets, training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux and sign up for a seven-day free trial. The on-demand virtual labs mean you can build practical experience with the commands, config, scripts, and everything you need to get the most out of each course. Another standout feature is the accountability coaching service, available to all learners with a subscription, which gives you access to a real person who will help you craft a personalized learning plan and set goals, and will check in with you to keep you accountable. So start your free seven-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. It includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. Well, we've managed to mostly avoid talking about Windows 11 so far, but um, I think we've got to briefly touch on it. Initially, Microsoft said that there were very strict requirements for installing Windows 11, or there will be once it's officially released. And some people in our community are taking that to mean this is a great opportunity. I suppose much like Vista being shit was an opportunity and... Windows 8 was another opportunity, and we've had various opportunities, but uh, am I just cynical and, and jaded to say that like now people are just going to buy new laptops, it'll be uh, a missed opportunity as usual? I think there are elements to this that are different in that there's a load of modern, capable hardware that, at least at the moment, won't be able to officially run, run Windows 11 without a registry hack. And it's not the regular kind of opportunity for Linux. I think Linux, especially in the 90s, thrived on the restrictions that Microsoft was putting on on, on Windows and on code that you could distribute with um, with Visual Basic Studio or whatever it was shipping at the time. And so not so much in capitalizing on it for the desktop market share. It may reinvigorate Linux a little in that people will switch to it. They'll get fed up with Microsoft for a variety of reasons and start to maybe dig into Linux more. I'm less optimistic. I think that... <laughs> <laughs> Windows 10 will continue to run on those machines for a couple of years, maybe even a bit longer than that. I mean, Windows XP hung around for a long time after it was dead. And I think that let's say that it sticks around for two years. When those two years are up, I think people who own machines that are not supported will think that it's okay to upgrade at that point and will do so. It's actually 2025, so uh, four years. Okay. So... Yeah, I th- I think you're right. People are going to stick around. If they can't upgrade, they'll still be getting security patches. It'll still work. It's it's outrageous, really, that they're trying to uh, claim that it's security and you need this, that, and the other, when realistically, any sort of, like, I don't know, fourth generation i3, i5, i7 would be fine to run it. That's what Apple does, though. <laughs> Um, and I guess it limits the amount of effort that they have to put into testing it on so many bits of hardware. But hasn't part of the appeal of Windows always been that it'll run on basically any hardware? I think so, yeah. I think so, which is why this is maybe a change, of, you know, like a significant change in policy for Microsoft and Windows. 
yeah, now Linux will be pretty much the only desktop player left that can claim that it is going to work on almost any hardware, at least from the last 10 years, let's say. I think it is an opportunity of sorts. I think it's probably the best opportunity that desktop Linux has ever had. Because I look at the laptop my mom's got, I think that is a fourth generation i5. And that is perfectly capable. It's running Linux already. So there's not going to be a conversion happening there. But there must be similar machines that are still running and perfectly capable of running Windows 11. And even by 2025, they might still be working and still running. And although no, I'm thinking, how many XP machines are still running now? And Windows 7, I mean, okay, XP maybe not, but Windows 7, which has been out of support for a while, there's a lot of people using that. And it's going to be the same thing with 10, isn't it? They're just going to keep using that for the next 10 years. Well, I have a valid license now, so that VM's going to keep on trucking. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a quick KDE corner before we get out of here. Uh, the first one, lots of new improvements to TOC. Yeah, so TOC, if you don't know, is the KDE-based interface to the Telegram API. And this is if you are trying to not use the Telegram that comes from them and use a uh, open API towards it. Now, I've seen an article of recent about the, I think he was the Fedora maintainer or at least the Flatback maintainer. And he was saying that, you know, it's built on old libraries and all this. Now, I don't know for sure whether that's true or not, whether it's built on an old version of Qt or whatever. I don't know. But I've been more edging towards the fact that Talk is starting to have all the features I want to. It's going to be a, you know, a native app inside KD and, you know, maybe it's worth a look. So for anybody else out there who's trying to give it a go, it might be now might be the time to do it. And there's a new calendar app with a K, of course. Obviously. I mean, how else would you spell it? Um, but this is good because if you're moving towards KD on the phone, which, you know, this is my long-term goal where hopefully I'll get a phone that can do it. The integrated calendar that would be part of contact is possibly too heavyweight for this. So they've been working on a new sort of on its own application and yeah, they've got some great work going on. It's worth checking in on this blog because it's one of the, the projects that's going on at the moment. And yeah, it's very cool. All right, and Digicam 7.3.0. Yeah, I mean, Digicam, for people who have got mountainous photo archives, and I, to be honest, probably am one, but I've just never been organized enough to tag photos and stuff. It's a fantastic application, well worth a look at anybody who likes photography and storing their photos. If you can get to grips with how this all works, it's a really good tool. They've got the new EXIF tool that's built in, so all the metadata that comes with your photos from your camera is in there. The DNG converter is there. That's part of the Adobe SDK. Fits the default astronomy photo format is in there as well. Um, they've got better slideshow stuff and they've got duplicate finders, which to be honest, anybody who's taken pictures on a phone and uploading them to their PC, they're probably about 15 versions of the same photo everywhere. So yeah, really, really, really good application for sorting it all out. So well worth a look. And also we often link to Nate's blog with his This Week in KDE posts. A big part of the one that we'll link to is the Steam Deck, which we talked about earlier. So you can learn a little bit more from his side of things. But one key thing that he mentions there, he says, full disclosure, I worked and I'm still working on QA for the KDE software side of this project, which suggests to me 
that there is some money coming back into KDE from Valve, which is a very good sign, I think. Yeah, and I heard from Alish Poy, uh, the KDE president at the time, and he's saying, you know, this is a great thing. All the work that goes on behind the scenes that Steam do for supporting open source projects and KDE and all the likes of that, it never gets much of a highlight. And they're doing a lot of work there. And I think it's a really good thing. So, yeah, fingers crossed that sort of symbiotic relationship can keep going. Right. Well, we better get out of here then. We'll be back next week when we'll have a special guest. Uh, Should I give a spoiler? It's my old boss. I'll just say that much. Uh, So, yes, until then... I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later.